Welcome to On Texas Football. We're on site at the University of Texas press conference that just occurred. Uh, not finished 10 minutes ago, Joe. Uh, and we're here to talk a little bit uh, about what Coach Steve Sarkeesian and his coordinators had to say on the day. Joe, your immediate thoughts on what you felt uh, Steve Sarkeesian came out of the gate with. Yeah, well, we just got back from Big 12 Media Days not too long ago. And so a lot of what we heard was pretty similar. A lot of themes rehashed, especially staff continuity. Um, I'll start with one thing that wasn't mentioned. There was like no talk about quarterback. And I think that's a big deal going into this year with this team, knowing that Quinn Ewers is, is the guy. Last year, that was the topic with Hudson Card. Quinn Ewers didn't get that much this year. And I think that shows a lot about this team. Um, one of the big other topics that he emphasized was being able to do better in certain situations. Uh, that include pass rush, that include third down, fourth down, that type of thing, and creating turnovers. A lot of this isn't new, but obviously for him to lead off with that this year and uh, lead lead off his you know first preseason press conference talking about that, I think shows the point of emphasis that's going to be throughout practice in the coming couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's part of it, Joe. I think the other interesting part to me is that we've been talking about culture for a while. Yeah. Um, and Sark wove his answer of culture into the continuity mm -hmm. concept of he says now his coaches know what to do and now his players know what to do. And so it's a continual buy in. It's not necessarily something like, oh, we all of a sudden they've adopted our culture. Now their culture is our culture right. and vice versa, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, talking about some other things, uh, I think it's important to note that, that uh, you know, right around 1045, he said Gary Patterson. Right. is not uh, a part of the staff at this time. He didn't rule it out, which I thought was also notable. Uh, but he said right now, Gary Patterson, the former DC, TCU defensive coordinator, or excuse me, head coach, well, he's that uh, has not. Yeah, he was that too. He's that, no question. Flan. Yeah, no question. Uh, but th that's out of it. Um, and looking across some other things, he talked about the key position battles. Mm -hmm. uh, running back, he, he noted secondary. And then who's going to play alongside Jalen Ford? Right. I think Jalen Ford, we know what he's going to offer, but there's a lot of different potential options at that will linebacker spot. We documented them all on Inside Texas. I just talked about David Benda the other day since it was the 33-day countdown story. Um, he seems like the guy who he wasn't mentioned. He didn't really mention very many names as far as will linebacker, but that's a position that he's, of course, watching uh, secondary. Uh, we're, we're watching field corner. Um, and then what was the other one that you mentioned? Uh, running back, running with back, Jonathan Brooks. Yeah, he basically he was asked, you know, what are the the four top guys or who's going to be out there with the ones? And he mentioned the top four names known with Jonathan Brooks, Keelan Robinson, Jaden Blue, Cedric Baxter. Uh, so, and that that's kind of what we saw throughout spring. Uh, injury kind of messed with that with with uh, um, Jonathan Brooks and even Keelan Robinson. So. Those are a lot of guys who got a lot of snaps over the course of spring and are going to try to, you know, duke it out over the course of fall practice. Noticeably absent from that list of running backs that not only Sarkeesian gave, but also Kyle Flood was Savion Red. We did not hear his name uh, mm -hmm. today from any of the coaches on hand. Be interesting to see uh, what's going on if we see him out there uh, tomorrow afternoon. Sark also said his entire roster is healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked about that being a key uh, point for this season. Uh, they want to enter uh, and end uh, fall camp with uh, no injuries, but it's clear to him, everybody's full go. Even Pete Kwiatkowski came in later and said, I don't expect Jalen Catalan to change who Jalen Catalan is. Right. Based on this defense, he's the young man from Arkansas that transferred in 
uh, who's had some injury problems. Uh, let's go back to something else uh, that Sark said. I, I found it interesting. He talked about the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. He felt like he finished. they finished some games the way they wanted to. He singled out Kansas State and Baylor. I agree with him. Mm -hmm. um, and then he said, but some other games, we didn't finish quite how we wanted to. And he thinks depth can play a role in that. And he started talking about how his wide receiver group might actually get more reps across a greater number because he has more players in that category now that are that are a high enough caliber. And he, Kyle Flood talked about that too along the offensive line. Uh, Pete Kwiatkowski mentioned it as well when he talked about Trill Carter mm -hmm. and his uh, ability to get more out of him with fewer snaps. That seemed like a theme for me today. They, they're, they're, they're thinking that they're a deeper team and therefore should be better in the fourth quarter this year. Right, and we even saw some rotation in the third or fourth series last year, and that sometimes proved to be a Achilles heel for Texas. But when you think about those Kansas State and Baylor games, think of how they were won. They were won giving the ball to Bijan Robinson over and over and over. And then Baylor I was won giving the ball to, to uh, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson because Quinn started out real slow and they didn't really want to give him an opportunity again. That means that opposing defensive coordinators knew that the game was going to be won by Bijan and Roshan, uh, and so they could try to attack you know, the run game that Texas played last year a lot more aggressively, knowing that the ball was really not in Quinn's hands. This year, it seems like with the offensive philosophy, which another thing Sark was asked about and Flood was asked about, uh, you know, maybe it's not run to throw, maybe it's not throw to run, but it's going to give them more options, more balance to where teams probably in, in, in their best-case scenario – aren't going to be able to key in and be like, all right, they're going to run it only and run it and run it and run it. Situation, of course, is going to call for it with the running clock rules and things like that. But it sounded like they want more balance to be able to throw a lot of different things at teams over the course of ends of games in order to not be, I guess, siloed and then attacked in that silo at the end of games, which is one of the bigger reasons I feel like for a lot of the late uh, you know, the second half discrepancy in scoring with the first half last year. A lot of swoons at times, mm -hmm. especially in year one. Uh, they, they did rectify that some, but to their point, they're going for a championship this year. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking with Joe uh, Cook, managing editor, InsideTexas.com, uh, today marks our first of wall-to-wall -wall coverage for fall camp. Uh, we're here inside Belmont Hall uh, recording this right now, Belmont uh, adjacent to the stadium. If you look just to my left, I can actually see the field right now. Uh, going to be an interesting one. A couple other comments that I had uh, going into this, really interesting from Sark, uh, and it's twofold. One is – what did you do this summer? Mm -hmm. He basically stayed around Austin, around the players. I felt like that was really interesting. Only took a weekend off, the July 4th weekend. Otherwise, he was pretty much here trying to, to get into get, get with the team. And that's a theme because when, when Pete Kwiatkowski, uh, Jeff Banks, and uh, Kyle Flood, all three of those guys were asked about, you know, what is some things that Sark has grown into on the job? It was his connection with players that they think is rare uh, for a head coach that they've been around. Like he genuinely connects not only with the coaching staff, but also with players as well. Right. And I think that's some, no breaks, right? Yeah. B -R -E -A -K yeah. 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 Uh, but that's something that I think one, the July dead period allows him to do. Can't host recruits or anything like that until like this past last week of July. So what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the Amalfi Coast like Nick Saban? Are you going to go to Mississippi for select baseball games like Kirby Smart? 
Well, they kind of can. They're in a different situation right now based off what they've done. Sarkeesian is in a very, very different situation with his program trying to build to that level. How do you build to that level? You establish relationships with players, with coaches, and you try to accentuate the strengths that that continuity that you now have can give you if you develop it. I think that's what he liked to do. It also speaks a little bit to, I think, the insulation he has at this point. You think about maybe some head coaches of years past, all the way back to Mac Brown, and what are they doing in the summer? Well, maybe they're meeting up with other people. And not to say that Steve Sarkeesian hasn't done that, but that's a secondary thing. Whereas, and, he, he, and of course, Mac Brown couldn't coach players for two hours a week or however many hours a week during the summer. He just left that up to Mad Dog and kind of did his own thing. Sark can be a little bit more hands-on in, in the current way that college football is. And that's the way he, that's the path he chose. He didn't have to do it, but he could and he did. And he thinks that's going to help his team be a lot more connected, uh, help his staff be a lot more connected and have positive results on the field come uh, September 2nd. I, I, good question uh, today about the rota- receiver rotation. Right. Uh, Sark is not a heavy receiver rotation guy, has mm-hmm. not historically been. And his answer was kind of revealing, I thought. He said, look, I mean, the NFL, you maybe take five receivers mm-hmm. with you on the road or at home. That's all you have on your roster. So for him, playing three to four a game is not some unheard of thing. Uh, he did say, however, that he thought he he would probably rotate more this year uh, because of what he has on hand. Um, and in part, again, because he wants to be fresher in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and then just kind of think back to last year, a lot of 12 personnel is only two wide receivers. So he really only needed to give Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington a break. Uh, sometimes you'd see Casey Kane on the field. Other than that, you didn't really see other guys. I mean, Tariq Milton had a few plays last year, but that's about it. But I think guys like DeAndre Moore, Jontae Cook, even Isaiah Nayor, you know what you have at the top three with A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, and Xavier Worthy. But just think of those names. Think of who I mentioned. Think of the skills that they have. It makes a lot of sense to maybe expand that rotation to five. And, I mean, that's six names right there. So it could go up to six considering the talent. Uh, if they're if he's going to hold hard and fast to that four or five rotation, maybe there's a younger player who's the odd man out. But uh, it's it's definitely an option he has available, and it's not rotation just for rotation's sake, which we've seen in the past. It's rotation uh, that actually gets guys reps because they can produce and to give your number one guys some rest over the course of a game. Well, and, and it's here's the reality of it too: they couldn't in the past. And Sark alluded to that, mm-hmm. not just at receiver, but other, uh, other places as well. Kyle flood made a huge emphasis today on and saying, look, we have eight offensive linemen. I feel comfortable with saying, let's go to, let's go to war basically mm-hmm. with not five, but eight. He has five returning uh, added to that group specifically were DJ Campbell, Neto Omiozulu and Cam Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, add that to you know, Cole Hudson, Con- Hayden Connor, Jake majors, uh, Christian Jones and Kelvin Banks, you get eight. He says, ideally, he wants 10. Uh, he also said this, Joe. He's been coaching 30-something years. He's only had all five returning starters back one time before. That's That that does show exactly where this Texas offensive line uh, is right now. Yeah, and, and one of the things I asked a question about, hey, you kind of know what you have at tackle and he pushed back against that, as football coaches do. Like, no, 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 not everybody's an entrenched starter, to which, okay, we'll find out tomorrow that Kelvin Banks is a starter at left tackle. <laughs> uh, but he talked about having uh, competition along the interior. And even he and Sark mentioned not having the type of interior 
push and and play that they wanted last year from this offense. So that's going to be worth tracking with Neto, maybe Cam Williams factors there. Um, he also mentioned center with Jake Majors, of course, being a two, maybe even you know two plus year starter. Uh, but Hayden Connor, uh, Cole Hudson, Connor Robertson. And he said even Jaden Chapman got some snaps at center, which I kind of took to be interesting. And I don't know if that'll have any effects this fall, but it's just something to store. He did note, I think, when you're talking about the the eight players that were, uh, you know, up to that standard, uh, he was asked, you know, who if he maybe could have ten. He goes, "We don't have ten right now," or something along those lines. And I wonder who maybe number nine would be, or maybe who number ten would be. Would that be Malik Ogbo? Would that be Connor Robertson at center? That's something he's going to have to figure out. In addition to that interior competition, we know Kelvin Banks and Christian Jones probably have their spots locked down. How is center going to uh, how is center going to play out? Does center affect what happens at guard, or does guard happen affect what happens at center? Uh, where does G- DJ Campbell factor in? Is Hayden all these different things? It seems like the interior, as we've been writing on Inside Texas and talking about on here, is going to be where the big competitions on the offensive line are going to take place. It's interesting. I felt like uh, Kyle Flood specifically mentioned that all of the true freshmen he thinks are mentally ahead of the game Mm -hmm. uh the other one that he he kind of he kind of patted on the back for his off-season transformation was hayden connor right he said hayden connor looks better than he's looked uh since he's been on campus and really took uh another step forward uh as well uh he called jake majors by what by the way a football cyborg uh as a a guy that really just gets it up top uh in mentally uh for the game as well uh couple other things I think that uh, we should go over here that uh, got mentioned. Uh, the Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. While Gary Patterson was said, hey, mm-hmm. no, nothing to, to announce at this point in time. Um, we talked a, a little bit about the guys that he also brought in. Peyton Sadat, uh, the uh, defensive uh, analyst, uh, Joe DeCamillis, the uh, special teams analyst, as well as Paul Chris, the offensive analyst, former head coach at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, there's a tie there at Wisconsin with uh, Mike Norvell, or Mike North, Tur- North. Mike, North Turner and Mike Riley that I was unaware of mm-hmm. uh, going back to their days with the, the Raiders and now out, out in the West Coast uh, that uh, actually says that Sark is going to lean heavy on the run game and play action because they both use so much of that. Uh, and th- those are the kinds of things that, that uh, Paul Christ is going to be there uh, talking about uh, with Steve Sarkeesian, Peyton Sadat. Uh, he he had brought up a, a term I hadn't heard in a long time, said he had some uh, 
uh, some uh, run-in with the Arizona Desert Swarm defense under Dick Tomey uh, and uh, a former defensive back coach here at Texas, Dwayne Aquina, was at part of that desert swarm as well. So that's going to be interesting. But specifically, he he thought that the piece that was good about uh, Sadat was the pass rush. Mm-hmm. He felt like uh, the desert swarm was really put pressure on the on the uh, quarterback, and that's why he liked him. Also uh, touted him for his rapport uh, with the coaches and players as well. Uh, and then Joe D. Camillus, maybe the most underrated hire in the offseason mm-hmm. uh, for Steve Sarkeesian, in my opinion. Uh, simply a 30-plus year NFL veteran in the special teams. Uh, Jeff Banks detailed his uh, background there, met him like 15 years ago at UTEP. But more importantly, I think that what I what I took away from that is Steve Sarkeesian right now is leaving no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. Um, he stays extra time, uh, only, only went away on July 4th. Uh, he's been incredibly diligent about hiring the right staff and getting the right people going. Uh, your thoughts on that as a whole, you think Sark has turned his focus up a notch because he maybe sees some possibilities here that haven't been there for him before at Texas. I think you're, you're right on the money with leaving no stone unturned and think of the three stones that he turned over. One's Portland state, which I didn't even know is, uh, you know, a division one football program. I think it's FCS. That's where he got Sadat from. And of course, he's bounced around a lot of different programs. Uh, I think Army was where he made his uh, biggest impact in the FBS, but that's the FCS. And then you go Joe DiCamillis, a third, three decade veteran in the NFL, uh, who was coming off a Rams team that seems to be trying to figure out its footing under Sean McVay uh, and the like, as they have no draft picks right now. Then you go to Wisconsin and the, you know, the former head coach as analyst uh, stone and, and go and get that. Paul Christ was a play calling head coach while at Wisconsin. Um, they have similarities on offense. They're not like for like, but uh, just the fact that you have a play calling head coach who this year is on offense and not defense like Gary Patterson was last year. Uh, you have a play calling head coach there to help you and also help your run game with, you know, Wisconsin maybe style run schemes. It helps out in, in so many different ways. And just to go back to Decamillus, Let's think about who's in Jeff Banks' office right now. You've got DeCamillis, who probably there may not be a better schemer of X's and O's on special teams in, in football, or at least he's arguably one of the best. And I think you could probably say the same about Jeff Banks. Two-time Super Bowl winner, by the way, DeCamillis. And then you've got Jeff Crosby, who maybe not a lot of people know about. He's a uh, – I, I don't know if he's a graduate assistant, but he's a special teams analyst who's a little bit more in tune with the mechanics of kicking and punting and – uh, you know, long snapping even, and they have connections. And I know this sounds weird. They have connections in the long snapping community to help him. And Jeff Banks even talked about that, sending some guys out, uh, kickers, long snappers, to, uh, you know, instructors that they have good relationships with. So what does that allow Jeff Banks to do? Well, he's got to be the one that disseminates the message from DeCamillis and practices just because of the way rules work with how analysts are able to, and special assistants are able to uh, work with players but also helps him with the tight end room. And he talked a lot about his tight ends. He said he thought Gunnar Helm, I think it was underrated, or he's got a chip on his shoulder. Those two things kind of go together. Um, and he talked a lot about Juan Davis putting in a lot of effort uh, through what he described as being dinged up in order to become a better tight end. So uh, it, it's a benefit for for Jeff Banks in a lot of different ways, not only with the third phase of the ball that he's 
associated with and oversees, but also allows him, in my opinion, to maybe have a little bit more involvement or dedicate more time to tight ends that maybe special teams would have taken away before DeCamillis was on the staff. Yeah, I, boy, he was high on Keaton Crawford and Keelan Robinson from mm -hmm. a special teams perspective. Keep your eyes on those guys, Xavier Worthy uh, and uh, potentially A.D. Mitchell, uh, as well as DeAndre Moore uh, and Jontae Cook expected to return some uh, punts and kicks, Keelan Robinson on kicks uh, as well. Uh, some other notes uh, that I had down here from Pete Kwiatkowski. I asked him about how is Texas going to use Anthony Hill? Uh, did he have any special ideas there? He did mention that uh, don't be surprised if he's rushing the quarterback, mm -hmm. um, not just uh, from the linebacker position either, uh, but you know, finding a way to get him on the field because, quote, he's a guy that just finds the football. Um, and so be, be aware of that one. That was interesting. Um, stat that he came up with. 14 turnovers last year the Longhorns um, uh, caused were, were the beneficiary of 21 missed opportunities, though they counted. Uh, he wants to get that a higher level as well uh, and wants to create what he called a feeding frenzy from a turnover perspective. Right, and think of what those missed opportunities might be. They could be forced fumbles that aren't recovered, which, I, you know, there's always those. Interceptions drop, there, there are always those. Uh, and he even talked specifically more so than I would expect a, a defensive coordinator to talk about in this preseason, uh, you know, press conference, just about like catching the football. And that's, you kind of just think, oh, that's part of it. But no, that's obviously an emphasis that they had over the course of training camp in order to make sure that, you know, they turn those missed opportunities and get into turnovers. He also mentioned pressuring the quarterback. Uh, I think he had a similar stat of like almost or something like that with, with getting to the quarterback. Um, that's obviously something that they're going to emphasize. And that's why I asked about getting more one-on-one -on -one situations. And one of the ways that he emphasized one-on-one -on -one situations was, well, you can send more and he's not really a big blitzer. So maybe that means he he will use blitzes a little bit more this year. Maybe that means they get more creative with stunts and moving guys around, setting up opportunities for various guys. But he, he kind of recognized that, hey, I know I have to get pass rush. I know I have to be better about that. There are creative ways to do it, and I think this training camp is going to go a long way to determining what those creative ways are. I'm Bobby Burton. I'm with uh, Joe Cook, managing editor of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Joe, we got a couple more minutes here. I want to ask you a couple more questions. The points of emphasis that he specifically pointed out, turnovers, mm -hmm. third and fourth down improvement. Uh, he did seem to think that tighter coverage on third and fourth down, fourth down were coming, and then sacks. Mm -hmm. um, interesting mix there because it kind of plays in with one thing. He said, your ability to send people depends on the back end. He came out and said, look, Terrence Brooks has had an outstanding offseason. Mm -hmm. That was one of the players he was effusive in his praise about. Uh, your thoughts there? Yeah, and it, to be honest, this is kind of what we heard last year. I remember last year uh, somebody asked him, I want to ask you about the pass rush, and PK goes, what pass rush? So we're, we're talking <laughs> about similar things again, but we obviously noted improvement in a lot of those areas last year. Not as much as they'd like, but there was still improvement. Um, no, definitely. Think, definitely. But just think about the Texas defense. I think they were top 20 in the country in opponent yards per play, right under or right around five, which is what I think is, you know, I mean, it's top 20. I know that sounds weird that five yards per play, but think you can have a six or you can have a zero and stuff like that. Uh, but still, at a certain point, maybe if it's third and five and you give up five yards of play, 
well, that's still a first down. Or if it's fourth and five and you give up that five-yard play, well, that's first down. They want to make sure that with pass rush, they help put guys behind the sticks. Uh, with coverage, they help make time to throw a lot more precious. Um, and another thing that's going to factor into that, he kind of touched on this with Trill Carter, is they're going to try to be able to rotate that defensive tackle again. I think that was a huge benefit to the run defense last year when you could go NFL draft pick to NFL draft pick and then platoon them with two guys who are probably going to be NFL draft picks after this year, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Trill Carter lets them do that. Um, there's going to – Alfred Collins, potentially. Who he talked about adding consistency for. If they're able to keep opponents off schedule – and we'll, that's when you'll probably see improvement in the pass rush, improvement in the coverage, just because you're in these situations where the the instructions, I guess to say, are a lot more straightforward. Okay, I, I don't get surprised a ton in these media days. I was surprised at the very end with Jeff Banks uh, when talking about special teams. I didn't expect him to say Will Stone was one of the most improved players on the team. Uh, the kicker, uh, sophomore kicker to be out of uh, – uh, out of uh, the Austin Regent School, I believe. Uh, he actually apparently has uh, gained some good weight in the right places, and he expects Texas to go from 25% touchbacks. He hopes to double it to around 50% touchbacks. Mm -hmm. uh, Texas fans will like that. Uh, I think that's interesting. He also thought, hey, this guy this guy might be a guy that can take over some long field goal, field goal duty while also pushing uh, Burt Auburn. Uh, for regular field goal duty. So uh, be aware of that. That's actually, and a lot of people, it's just a small thing. But again, we've said this on these shows before, incremental improvement can lead to outsized gains. Right. And, and you know, Bert Auburn had a really good year last year, one of the more accurate years in, in kicking history. Perfect, I think, 50-plus um, extra point attempts, as long as 49. And that's not, you know, that that's a college kicker. But if Will Stone is able to give you a little bit more and you need to kick a 56-yard field goal or something like that, maybe that's the guy you turn to. I was really uh, – I loved – and I think you can tell Jeff Banks loves talking about special teams. Like when he gets into the nuts and bolts of special teams, he – you can – that energy drink that was sitting by his side, you can really <laughs> tell it starts flowing. Um, and he talked about touchbacks. And – I think if you ever watch a game, if you ever go back and rewatch a game and watch a kickoff and they make a tackle at like 23, the first coach you're going to see running off the sidelines <laughs> is Jeff Banks just pounding his fist into the air. And that's good, and he likes doing that, but then he also realizes, like, you know what? They got a decent return guy, and, you know, I got Will Stone who can kick it out the end. Okay, boom, let's do that. Let's save our guys. Let's go ahead and, you know, give them the ball in the 25. And some of that applies to his return game as well. It, it, it's – the, the basic answer about coverage and things like that is it depends uh, and, and, you know, it will depend game to game. But my preference, and I think a lot of people's preference, and then truly I think his preference is kick it off to where, uh, you know, maybe opponents, if they do decide to return it, don't get it past the 20. Uh, if it goes to 25, that's fine. And if you're going to return it, make sure you get that 25 or else it's you're, you're losing yards. Interesting. He did mention that, hey, that on returns, if you're Keelan Robinson or Xavier Worthy, whoever's back there for Texas on kick returns, three yeah. yards deep, which is literally the start of the letters mm -hmm. in the end zone. So if you see – I'm looking out on the field. If you see Texas or Longhorns in the south end zone, if it hits the L, he, he doesn't want you returning that. If it's in front of the L, go for it. So that's kind of their uh, their thought process. There are some times, he said, that he will tell his guys to even go 
instead of that, there are special situations where we'll, he'll tell them to sit down too and not go no matter what. So, all right, uh, that's going to do it. Uh, Joe, good stuff today. Again, wall-to-wall -wall coverage uh, tomorrow. Practice begins. The team has team meetings tonight. All the coaches talked about what they've got prepared uh, for their guys as well. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Tomorrow afternoon, first practice fall camp of the 2023 season. Uh, Joe, Joe Cook, it's going to be a hot one, that's for sure. It's in the mid-afternoon uh, for Joe Cook of Inside Texas. I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football. <laughs>